Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. Having 30 minutes a day where you're like, I'm just going to work on my website. I'm going to show up, sit down with my computer, and I'm just going to do something for 30 minutes related to my website is so, so effective. After just a couple weeks of this, you will be astonished at how much progress you have made. This is a strategy that I have used in my business. I've taught it to clients of mine. I think we call it like the first thing practice. Uh, where you just set 30 minutes aside every day as close to the start of your day as possible and you just work on this one thing over and over and over again. I have built out entire curriculums using this practice. It is insanely helpful. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, the bad therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today's episode is inspired by a sign that I saw in a pizza shop that said slow is smooth and smooth is fast. While we're not going to be talking about how to make a better pizza in this episode, I think this perspective is really relevant for therapists in private practice. We often think we can get more done by moving faster, but steady progress is where we see the most return. We're nearly at the end of the year, and it's a great time to take stock of how this year has gone and set your next set of goals. In this episode, I'm going to share three private practice goals that you can do in three months. Let's get into it. I recently did an episode on decision fatigue, which is episode 33, if you want to go check that out, and that's really related to what we're going to be talking about today. A lot of decision fatigue comes from trying to do a lot of different things in a very short amount of time and with very little organization. It feels like chaos, and a lot of the things that you're trying to do end up getting dropped or they just end up getting done poorly. It takes extra effort to actually slow down, and oftentimes we feel like we're wasting time. We feel like, oh, well, if I'm slowing down, then I'm wasting time because this really shouldn't take that long. I should be moving faster. But like that sign in the pizza shop said, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. 
having a focus and being able to really sink into the project or the goal you're working towards is going to be a much smoother process. And when you can do things without mistakes or um, just like resistance, if you can have a sort of smooth flow with it, you will actually end up reaching your goals faster. That being said, this is still really hard for a lot of us because many of the goals that we'd like to accomplish simultaneously feel like they're too much and they're not enough at the same time. So let's say your website, let's say that you are just kind of frustrated with your website. Maybe it's not performing that well. Uh, You were never really happy with it in the first place. You know you need to spend some more time with it. It might feel so overwhelming and you're thinking, how could I actually even get this done or make meaningful improvements in three months? And it also may feel like not enough if I am telling you, well, hey, what if you did just focus on working on your website for three months? You might think, well, how could I make that my biggest priority for three months when I actually have to do all of these other things at the same time? Like that feels crazy to me to just like set all those other things aside for three months and just focus on this one thing. So a lot of our goals feel like they're so overwhelming. We don't know where to start. We can't actually imagine making meaningful progress in three months. And we also... (laughs) (laughs) feel like we should be doing that and other things at the same time. So what this often results in is we are doing a bunch of things at the same time, but we're jumping from task to task. We talked about task switching and organizing your time in a recent past episode. And that again is just such a time suck. So if you're not sure where to start today, I'm going to be going through a few different options for you in terms of goals or projects that you can focus on over the next three months That if you were to just really focus on those and sort of exclude extra other projects, you would actually make a lot of progress. Now, working towards this goal doesn't mean that you're not going to be doing anything else in your business. Of course, you're going to keep your business running. You're still going to be meeting with your clients. You are still going to be doing your notes. Please do your case notes. Uh, (laughs) If you're listening to this and you're like, you need a sign to stop and do your case notes, this is your sign. Anyway, you're going to keep on doing the things uh, that are maintaining your business. You're going to, if you're doing billing, you're going to keep on billing. If you already have some established marketing practice or cadence or rhythm, you're going to maintain that. So I'm not saying stop doing all of the things you're doing, but I'm saying if you've had multiple sort of competing projects where you're like, okay, I know I need an email list and an opt-in, and I know I need to fix my website, and I know I need to start a social media presence. And you've been trying to get all of those things up and running all at the same time, and really none of them are happening, or you're making a little bit of progress in one area, and then you kind of drop the ball because now you've got to go focus on the other thing. I'm saying those are the things that I'm going to advise that you just pick one of them to get started, to get going, to really make some significant progress on. And for the time being, set the other ones aside. So take some time to consider, all right, what are the things that I have going on in my business that are basically just maintenance at this point? I'm not trying to figure it out. I've already got my rhythm. These things are already in place. Those are the things that you can keep on doing. Then take a look at what are all these different kind of to-dos that I've been feeling like I need to do, and I'm, I'm just really not getting to any one of them. Make a list of those and then you'll be able to, well, maybe I'll talk about one here in the podcast today in the episode. Maybe you'll hear one of the things that you've been wanting to work on, or maybe later on after listening to this, you'll decide which one of those projects you actually want to focus on for the next three months. But I want to give you a few examples of some different projects in case you're like, three months, what can I actually do? 
in that time frame. I want to start getting your wheels turning so you can see what's possible for you. One goal you may decide to take on for the next three months is increasing your income or raising your fees. This is probably the one goal or the one project that most of us therapists need to do at some point in our private practices. We are in a place where we need to start earning more money. We need to maybe scale back the amount of time that we're spending seeing clients. And so this is oftentimes a goal or a project that we need to work on. So if this is for you, then the first thing I'd suggest you do is you take some time to actually calculate your fee before you just decide to raise it. So what I mean is a lot of us get to the point where we're thinking, oh, I need to raise my fee. And we're just like, $20 sounds good, but we haven't actually done the math around, does $20 make a meaningful impact on our lives, on our financial goals? Or is that just kind of like, uh, almost like a token gesture to ourselves to be like, hey, we're doing something. And listen, That's not bad. I understand how loaded this can be for us, how scary it can be. Um, I'm going to be going into that even more in next week's episode, but I would still encourage you to go do some math. And if you're a listener to the podcast, you probably already know I have a tool. It's called the Magic Sheets. You can use that to help calculate your fee so you can know what you need to raise it to. So Take some time to do that, whether you're using the magic sheets or you're doing some calculations on your own. We'll also link to a blog post that I have on my website that walks you through how to do the math around that. But that being said, run the numbers and you may be surprised. You may be surprised that actually the fee increase that you need to do isn't $20. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's a hundred. A lot of us have been undercharging for so long and kind of living in, in many cases, poverty. Um, and the reality is that we need to make significant changes to our fees to have a meaningful difference in our quality of life and our financial circumstances. So run those numbers. That's the first thing. The next thing that you would do is you would immediately raise your fee for new incoming clients. So we're going to talk about your current caseload separately, but one of the fastest things you can do is just say anybody new coming into the practice would be at this newer, higher full fee rate. You're going to change that information on your website, on any directories that you're a part of. And so that's a very kind of quick thing to do. Now, changing your fee does not necessarily instantly mean that you feel comfortable with that fee, right? You're probably going to have to have some calls with potential clients where you say that number, it might feel scary at first. You can also practice this with friends that you trust, other therapist friends, um, to get used to saying that number out loud. And again, choose the people you practice this with wisely, because of course there are a lot of uh, therapists who are dealing with good therapist conditioning who may not support your uh, decision to raise your fee. And if you're feeling that way, I, I would invite you to come into Healing Money, which is my free Facebook group. And that's a community of therapists who are all kind of doing this work together. And uh, we do not allow any shaming in there. You might use that group to help find a buddy that you can connect with. So anyway, you are probably going to be uncomfortable with this number to start. And you may have to have a few intake or consultation calls or screening calls where it feels a bit uncomfortable or you can practice that with friends. But either way, that is a quick way to start to increase your revenue and increase your income is to change that fee for new clients to your practice. Now, when it comes to your current clients, this can be very, maybe even trickier than the first group of new incoming clients. 
because we worry about the impact on our clients. Uh, We worry also that we might lose money if we raise our fees for our current clients and they say, that doesn't work for me. What if I actually have less money than I had before, right? This can sometimes literally be what happens. This This is part of the risk that we take on when we make changes like this. So when I'm working one-on-one with my clients or in my group programs, we take into account a few different factors when making these decisions. I assess with my clients, what is their risk tolerance? How much risk are they willing to take on? Do they have any sources of income or financial support outside of the money that is coming through their private practices? And then currently, what does their marketing look like? And how proficient do they feel in sales or Uh, these screening calls with potential clients? Is there a steady stream of people reaching out? Do they have uh, confidence when it comes to converting potential clients into becoming actual clients? And so depending on where you fall on those different levels, you are probably going to make different decisions. If you are very, very risk averse, then you may say, you know what, I really need to just get some new clients at this full fee before I even touch my rate with my current clients, because that's that's just what I need <laughs> to keep on moving forward. And I know that if I change my rate with current clients, that's just going to really freak me out and I can't handle that right now. You are totally allowed to make that decision. The other thing you might consider is, is there another financial resource that I can lean on right now? You might have that. You might have that readily available. It might be so easy to be like, oh, yeah, of course, I have this other person in my life who is totally willing to financially support me a little bit more during the next several months. And you can have a really frank conversation with them about that. It might mean asking people to step in and step up for you in a way that maybe you haven't before. That could feel really vulnerable, but perhaps you're willing and ready to do that because you're just so done with the status quo and you want to move the ball forward and you're just willing to take on a bit more risk. So that's an option. You may decide, you know what? I know my marketing isn't where it needs to be. I know I'm not feeling confident in my sales calls, but I'm going to make that my number one priority to get really, really good at that because I really do want to raise these fees. I don't want to wait. You could have lots of different reasons for that. You may have been you know, just financially strapped for a long time and you're at this point where you're like, enough is enough. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so you may decide that you're going to really devote your time and your energy to getting your marketing up and going and improving in that area. So again, those are the factors that I would consider uh, when it comes to raising your fee for current clients. So that's your risk tolerance, how much access you have to financial resources outside of the money coming in through your private practice. Uh, Oh, and I also didn't mention a loan. You could also decide to take out a business loan. That could be an option for you. And then the third thing is, where is your marketing and your sales? How confident are you in those areas? So this is a great goal for you if you're like, I need to increase my income. I need to increase my revenue. I'm going to give myself three months to sort of go through this protocol. This would be an awesome option for you. I do want to make one more note about raising your fee. I've seen a lot of therapists do this where they raise their fees with their current clients But then all of the clients say, okay, well, I'll just start coming in every other week or I'll just come in once a month. Basically, they reduce frequency. Uh, This does not increase your income if you raise your fee and then everyone just starts coming in less frequently. 
that is not an increase in revenue. And in fact, now you have to onboard even more clients, which even if you're not spending the same amount of time, um, you're not spending more time working with clients directly, those are more humans to manage in your practice than it would be if you had fewer people coming in at a higher frequency. So again, this is often an edge for us. We might have clients who are like, well, I don't want to come in every week at that rate. And so you really have to decide for yourself if you're at a place in your practice where this change is worth it to you to actually lose some clients. And I know this is just like saying that out loud. I can like imagine the reaction (laughs) you might be having. Maybe you're hearing that and you're just like, I've just been needing someone to give me permission to do that. Like I've been feeling like it's really bad. Or maybe you're hearing that and you're just like, I could never do that. That sounds terrible. What about my clients? That's probably unethical. And the truth is it's not necessarily unethical. (laughs) It is okay to refer clients out if they are no longer fit for your practice. Your financial, emotional, spiritual well-being does matter. This is a business. And so you are allowed to do that. I'm not going to get into all of the the like ethics or clinical aspects around how to do that appropriately. I will trust that you as a probably licensed therapist, like know how to do that. And maybe what you need to hear right now is just the permission that you do get to do that. And again, next week, in next week's episode, I'm going to be going into the topic of quote unquote giving back and the imperative on therapists to do that through their work. So I'm going to do a deeper dive into that concept. But just point being that you're allowed to refer people out or let people go if you need to make a change in your life and in your practice. So there's that. The next goal that I think you can make a lot of progress with in three months is to build your referral network. So when it comes to marketing your private practice, this is probably the oldest form of marketing that we have. This is how our supervisors and our professors built their private practices. So this has a long, long tradition of being an effective marketing practice. And if you're a person who has a harder time marketing online, who feels weird or uncomfortable with social media marketing, this could be a really, really great option for you. So the first thing that I would advise for you to do is to have some way of tracking your progress because you might think in this moment that you're going to remember that you reached out to this person and that person, but trust me, within a few weeks, you're going to be like, wait, what have I done? What was that person's name? What did they share about themselves? Wait, how, how long has it been? Should I reach out to them again? So just do yourself a favor and create some sort of document. You can keep it by hand if you want to do it old school, or you can use a spreadsheet or just like a Word document or Google Doc on your computer. But either way, have a place that you're sort of organizing and keeping all of this material. And to begin with, identify any professional connections you already have and reach out to them. So this could be colleagues from grad school. This could be past professors, past supervisors, and just start to cultivate that relationship with them. So referral networking is primarily a marketing strategy that is based in relationships. And it's not just about sending out an email blast to your colleagues that says, hey, I'm taking on new clients. You can get a little bit more intimate than that. You can actually reach out to people directly. You can invite them to meet with you virtually or in person. Ask to take them out to coffee so that the two of you can talk about your work. Ask them who they like to work with. Keep that information so that you can send people to them too. Be really clear with them about who you'd like to work with. And if you're not sure who that is, then I believe it is episode four where I go into niching. So you can go listen to that and hear more and get some support around how to really hone in on who you want to work with. 
Next, reach out to two new contacts every week, including therapists that you haven't met before. You'd be surprised how many people are willing to meet up with you for coffee. I had a client who was based in New York, and at one point she just logged onto Psychology Today and started looking up other therapists in her area and just sending them emails saying like, hey, I'm a therapist here. This is who I like to work with. Would you be interested in meeting up virtually to talk about our practices and see if we can refer people to each other? She found that people were extraordinarily receptive. And, you know, it may be that if you were to try this, your community is a little bit different. I would also imagine that this client of mine got some rejections or like had people who didn't respond to her email at all. And that's okay. Like you don't need every single one to be like, yay, good for you in order for this strategy to work. You just need some people to respond to you. So be willing to get out there and take risks. And if people aren't interested, they'll let you know by not responding. But you may find that there are some people who are really, really happy to meet you and they could become great referral sources for you. So again, add these attempted contacts or completed contacts to your spreadsheet or document And if you feel like, you know, after reaching out to two people that you have more energy, that you have it in you to reach out to some more, feel free to do that. I think one of the things about really focusing on one of these goals is that if you find that you have more time and energy, then rather than just splitting your attention and jumping over to another project to maybe not even get that far, what you can do is go more deeply into the project or the goal that you've already set. So if your goal for the next three months is to really build your referral network, sure, you could use the excess time that you have to go kind of do a half-assed job on your website, or you could say, let me make the most of this referral networking. Look, I have more time today. I have like two more hours than I thought I could. Do you know how many emails you could send to therapists in two hours, right? And maybe that's not what you want to do with it. Maybe you want to follow up with your past people that you've already connected with. But point being that oftentimes when you get really focused, you create an opportunity to go deeper into a strategy that you already have. Another thing that you can do to build your network is to look up events where your ideal clients may also be hanging out. So for instance, I have a client who focuses on helping people who are interested in using psychedelics and doing psychedelic integration work. So this therapist has been attending meetups for people in this community. Now, this could feel a little weird for us because we're often used to networking with other practitioners and then our clients will come through them. It may feel a little unusual to go to a space where your clients may be at, but I think this can be a really great strategy because you'll interface with them directly. Now, you will have to sort of manage, how do I want to get to know people in this space? There may be moments where you decide like, oh, this person could be a potential client, so I'm actually going to like back off from getting too personal here, and I'm just going to let them know that I'm a therapist. I'm going to let other people in this space know I'm a therapist. You wouldn't necessarily like start doing a sales process with that person in that moment. I think that would be pretty unethical, but you can let people in the space know who you are. And if people are interested in getting your information, they can. So I really do think it's up to you to monitor that. It's it's not wrong or bad to go into these spaces, especially if you're also a part of this community. And I think most of us are. I think most of us work with communities that we are also a part of, especially in private practice. So maybe in agency work, this isn't true. We're often helping clients who have different identities than us. But once we get into private practice, we almost always tend to choose a niche that is 
near and dear to our hearts. That is some aspect of our own journey. And so you likely belong in this space just as a visitor and a participant. And you also just happen to be a person who is a therapist. So this can be a great way to become known within that community. I'll go back to that therapist who is doing psychedelic integration work. And going to these events, they met other practitioners that do psychedelic work who are leading journeys and could be a great referral source for them. So you will meet your potential best fit clients, but you'll also meet other practitioners who are working in that space too that could become referral sources. So this is an option that is open to you. I feel like it's one that is often not utilized, but I think it's incredibly effective. And you're facing with people who are interested enough in these things that they're willing to go to events about it. So they're like very warm to these ideas. There are people who are wanting to engage in this work. So I think it's a great place for you to show up. And again, I'm going to defer back to you when it comes to your clinical judgment and your ethical considerations with this, because you're the licensed therapist. I'm not having a direct conversation with you right now. If you were my client, we would. But I'm going to trust that you will be able to walk that journey in an appropriate way. But just know that it is not like categorically unethical to do this. And I think a lot of us would just kind of assume that it is when it's not. Another great goal for you to work on in the next three months is to improve your website. So I talked about that earlier. A lot of us are not so happy with our websites. They need a little judging. It feels kind of optional. Like it's not something that we maybe think about day to day or it's not like really pressing. So it's really easy to kind of like keep on kicking the can down the road. Um, oftentimes we feel really overwhelmed by it. Like we're not all designers. <laughs> so we're not sure what to do aesthetically. We may feel uncomfortable with marketing. We're not sure how to put our ideas into words that make sense for a client. So it can just feel overwhelming and expensive to get professional help with it. And so we just kind of like, blah, stop. So I'm going to give you some direction here today to hopefully make that a little bit easier if you're someone who is listening to this and you're like, I really need to step up my game with my website. So the first thing that I would recommend is reading a book called Building a Story Brand. This was recommended to me by my friend and client and collaborator, Christy Flantinga. What I really love about this book and its approach to marketing is it really talks about the power of story and how that is a compelling way for people to understand what it is that you're going to help them with. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but I will say, go read that. It's super helpful. It's something that I have read now, I think multiple times I've been recommending it to every single client, especially when they mentioned their websites or messaging. That's like the go-to place to start because I think it's a really, really helpful framework. So go grab that. I'll also have a link to it in the show notes if you want to quickly access it. Next, I would recommend that you do this website review practice that I talked about in episode 29 of the podcast. So go back there to do a deep dive on that. That will help walk you through a process where you can kind of gather ideas uh, from other websites on the internet, other therapist websites, and get a sense of what is really going to work for you and how to make your website a better experience for potential clients. You can also check out episode 30, which is an interview with Sarah Bussey, who is a website designer. So check that out. Okay, so that's kind of like the educational piece. Like, go get those resources. The next thing is put 30 minutes on your calendar every day, Monday through Friday, as close to like first thing in the morning as possible, and just do nothing else but work on your website for 30 minutes. And you're probably like, what do you mean work on my website for 30 minutes? Are we talking about copy, messaging, aesthetics, creating a new 
uh, form for people to fill out on my website? The answer to that is yes. (laughs) That is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like anything and everything related to your website. I'm not going to like tell you which pieces to do first, but I can tell you that having 30 minutes a day where you're like, I'm just going to work on my website. I'm going to show up, sit down with my computer, and I'm just going to do something for 30 minutes related to my website is so, so effective. After just a couple weeks of this, you will be astonished at how much progress you have made. This is a strategy that I have used in my business. I've taught it to clients of mine. I think we call it like the first thing practice uh, where you just set 30 minutes aside every day as close to the start of your day as possible. And you just work on this one thing over and over and over again. I have built out entire curriculums using this practice. It is insanely helpful. So I know it can feel like really what's going to happen in 30 minutes a day, like that's not that much time, but also it feels like a lot of time because I'm doing it every day and you're trying to, you're telling me I need to figure out how to do it in the morning, which if the morning like truly doesn't work for you, like, you know, everything I say on this podcast is like, make it work for you. Take what works for you. Leave the rest. Like I'm not watching you. (laughs) I can do you. I'm not in control here, but Whether it's 30 minutes at the start of the day, which is what I would recommend, or some other part of the day, you'll be surprised at how much you can get done during that. And like I said, this could be improving various pages on your website, the overall design or aesthetics. This could be creating a new contact form or linking your website with your email service, publishing blogs, creating an opt-in and adding it to your website. And this will have such a big impact. You may find in this process that you're like, oh, actually, I do need outside support with this. Like maybe I've made this much progress, but I'm really finding that there's this one area where I'm getting really stuck. And you may discover that you need to bring someone else in. And if you've been in a place in your business where you've been unhappy with your website for like months or years, And you've just been putting so much pressure on yourself to figure it out on your own or get really good at this thing. This could maybe be the experience that gives you permission to say like, oh, yeah, (laughs) no wonder it's been so hard. Like, I literally don't know how to do this, nor do I want to figure it out. Okay, what will it take for me to be able to get some support with this? That is a really, really good thing for you to learn. And it's not a waste of time. So often we're like, well, if I can't figure this out, then like this is a waste of time. No, figuring out that you can't do this or that you maybe don't want to do it is super, super valuable for you to have. And if this is what gets you there, then this is great. Um, So throw yourself into it, devote the time to it, regardless of the outcome, you're going to learn what you need to learn. So maybe listening to this, you're like, yep, I got it. One of those goals is going to work for me. I'm going to focus on it. Thanks so much. That's the protocol I'm going to use. Or maybe you heard this and you're like, "Mm, none of those are quite right. But now I'm seeing how I could pick a goal and get really focused on it for three months. So I'd say either way, in the next two days, pick a goal that you're going to focus on in the next three months and make a decision that you're actually going to set aside some of these other goals during that time. Now, you may actually complete one of these goals early. In that case, you can add a new goal. Or like I said earlier, when it comes to your referral networking, maybe you're like, oh, well, I'm kind of done with my things for the day and I feel like I have energy to do more. You may make the decision to go even deeper into it. So make the best decision for you, but make it within the next couple days and make a commitment to what you're going to show up for for these next three months. And you will be so surprised with how much progress you are able to make 
And it'll feel really, really good when you take a project from start to finish and you feel so proud of yourself for actually completing this thing that's been hanging over your head for so long. It's going to feel so good to be like, I did that and it's complete. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode has helped spark some ideas of how you can make improvements in your business by focusing on just one thing at a time. I hope you'll tune in next week because it is all about giving back as a therapist and how that came to be defined as working for low wages. I'll explore different ways of giving back that don't result in you staying broke and burning out and how to choose your own way of giving back. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave a review and a five-star rating if you found this helpful. And come say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at the bad therapist. See you next week. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.